0: This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com.
1: If you're watching us live on Facebook, you know that it is time for our youth worker recharge, which Jeremy and I host very regularly on Mondays starting around 2 p.m. Central Time. And we've got a really, really awesome guest and friend joining us today. Uh, Court, would you mind introducing yourself?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. Hi, friends from all over the place and beyond. Uh, my name is Court Van Linder. My pronouns are they, them, and theirs. Um, I live in Montana, um, out in the northwest. It's snowing today, um, which is kind of exciting. And I work as the designer of Next Gen and Inclusiveness Ministries for the Mountain Sky Conference, which is just a long-winded fancy way of saying I work to educate and advocate for the inclusion of LGBTQ youth and young people all throughout. Mountain Sky and our youth ministries, uh, campus ministries, camps, churches, et cetera. So, yeah, I'm excited to be here.
2: Yeah, that is an amazing job title. (laughs) Yeah, thank you.
0: I didn't come up with it. So,
1: and for those that would not be as familiar with like the the footprint of the um, kind of conference or community that court serves in the United Methodist Church, there are these um, regional sort of groupings of churches, right? Called annual conferences, and uh, the Mountain Sky Annual Conference includes Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, Utah. And just a tiny little part of Idaho because. Um, and so it's incredibly uh, incredibly diverse in terms of geography and incredibly diverse in terms of people. Um, and one of the questions I wanted to start with, Court, is you, you have this role at the conference level that has to do with um Inclusivity and advocacy, um, and I'm uh, I'm wondering how that position came to be. You know how how did the Episcopal Office see enough needs in the churches and in the communities to say this is valuable enough to staff at the conference level?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously, Bishop Parent Alabado was elected into the Mountain Sky Conference in 2016. But um, before we were Mountain Sky, we were Yellowstone Legacy and Rocky Mountain. So I think around the same time I believe we merged um that history is a little hazy for me um but obviously Karen was uh, Bishop Karen was elected into This conference um, and as the first openly gay bishop with the United Methodist Church, um, kind of engaged with her own challenges. Um, Obviously, I'm not going to go too much into like Karen's history. I think folks can either look that up and I also don't want to speak for Bishop Karen in that as well, Um, but I do think kind of acknowledging where it kind of started is super important. Um, So of course after Bishop Karen's um, election in 2016 that kind of spurred all these um, additional conversations around LGBTQ inclusion um, within the United Methodist Church, which our conversations, realistically, we've been having since like 1972. so We have a very long history of debating whether or not um, we want to ordain LGBTQ people um, and even allow for same gender um, and LGBTQ weddings within our Methodist churches. So in 2019, um, a special session of our general conference was called um, to essentially Debate and discuss and ultimately decide what the United Methodist Church was going to do about this topic of LGBTQ inclusion and specifically ordination um, and affirming LGBTQ marriages within um, our institution. Um, so... Through 2019 special session, um, we'll kind of fast forward to the end. They ended up passing what we know as the traditional plan, which really kind of um, further established and kind of cracked down on the ban of LGBTQ ordination. Um, so prior to 2019, in the Book of Discipline, um, LGBTQ ordination and uh, same-gender wed- weddings were not prohibited, right? Um, and along that, I feel like it is worth acknowledging that the United Methodist Church still proclaimed that all persons of are of sacred worth. Um, and then, of course, it kind of goes into maybe arguably cancel that out. I won't get in too much into it um, by saying you're of sacred worth, but you cannot be ordained in the church. Um, you cannot be called into leadership, um, into ministry by God into the church. We're not going to affirm that. Um, and so really, that's kind of what that decision was of 2019. Um, and kind of, from my understanding, to created um, a little bit harsher kind of punishments almost for um, ordaining uh, LGBTq folks or for um, officiating and presiding over a sem- same gender wedding um, for any clergy um, and elders within the UMC okay. So that was 2019, um, that decision occurred. And so Mountain Sky, um, following that, kind of acknowledged and recognized, you know, that's not what Mountain Sky and arguably I would say even the Western jurisdiction um, believed in, right? Um, we did see a need and believe in um, the sacred worth of all persons, including LGBTQ people. Um, and so from my um, understanding of kind of how the position came to be, is one of our churches, um, local churches, Aspen Community Church in Colorado, um, who was the first, I believe, open and affirming congregation, so Reconciling Ministry and Legacy Route- Rocky Mountain um, Conference. They uh, sponsored kind of initially the first couple of years of my position, um, grant-funded, to create this position to um, help bring churches into uh, this place of inclusion and affirmation and creating affirming ministry, especially for LGBTQ youth and young people. Um, and so, yeah, long story short, it was more or less kind of a direct response um, to 2019 um, and the special session and saying, you know, I think that we can we can change the narrative um, about what the UNC has been saying and we can really call people into um, what I, and I think some others believe is like the kingdom of god right um of acknowledging everyone's sacred worth and really creating a space where not only people um are affirmed for who they are but can be called into leadership in multiple different ways whether that's um you know volunteering whether that's um licensed local pastor ordination whatever that may be and look like for that individual so yeah that's kind of the the background of where it came from and why it's here
2: yeah I think that's really helpful. I I, I mean, just what a wonderful position that you have. And uh, I've got so many questions, Um, but I I think really at the top of my mind is um, is a a question for um, for people who are serving churches that um, that are less open and affirming than they would would want them to be. I have served plenty of places like that and um, have always carved out the safe little uh, within the youth ministry for LGBTQ teens to serve fully and do all of the things. Right. Um, but I, I was recently talking to a pastor who is is struggling, right? Because uh, she has a uh, more traditional church and um, there are LGBTQ kids that are coming. Um, and she recognizes uh, that there's uh, there's high stakes with the welcoming of LGBTQ teens that are not there in other places because um, the way that they experience uh, the church's reaction to their um, to their, uh, to their sexuality, to their way of being in the world um, can have like devastating effects, right? The, the incidence of self-harm and suicide attempts and all of that is so high when LGBTQ teens experience rejection or demonization or whatever at the hands of clergy or volunteers or other significant people when it's linked with spirituality, and so you know there's this conversation to be had regardless of what people um, regardless of what people believe spiritually in this sort of practical realm as well. So I guess here's the question. Talking to a pastor or a youth worker that's in one of those con- congregations um, and is trying to have a safe space for these kids. Um, how do you hold back the the forces that would want to come in and make it not a safe space? like what what is the what do you say, what do you do? What are some best practices for people who are in that kind of a situation?
0: Yeah, that's a really great question, and it's a common one I get, um, and I think it's going to be both and. and I'm going to acknowledge that I don't think some people are going to like the response in that. Good. I um, love this. So number one, um, it, like maintaining that safe space um, and arguably a brave space is really important, right? Right. Um, and I've acknowledged in other spaces, right, of just kind of like, we can't guarantee that there's never going to be harm. Um, And so acknowledging, like, what does it look like to show up in this bravely, right, and as authentically as we can, and say, we're going to be brave, we're going to be bold, and we're going to affirm people for who they are, right, we're going to prioritize that, we're going to value that. Um, So number one, I think, and I hear this quite often like our youth ministries tend to be a little bit more affirming than maybe some of our congregations, um, which is really, really great. But that starts to pose a problem then, right. When our youth graduate and they're no longer able to be in a youth ministry, right. What does that say when they're adults? Um, cause now we're going to lose them as adults because that congregation is not affirming. Um, and so I think number one, um, within the youth ministry context is as much as a safe and as comfortable, right. Um, being really brave and bold in that. And then also, um, and I think in that brave and like boldness of it is engaging like with the youth and young people, like especially if it's the youth there who want to create that affirming space, um, allowing them that kind of opportunity to do so and kind of defending that. Um, for starters, we know that younger generations um, are a lot more, racially, sexually, and gender diverse than all the generations that came before them. Um, we know that Gen Z, um, like a third of them are, are LGBTQ or even non-binary or trans. Um, I can't remember what statistic I'm referencing entirely, but we know that they're a lot more uh, likely to be out as um, as teenagers and whatnot. I know Gen Z is kind of growing up now. They're starting to enter adulthood in the workforce. Uh, So we're kind of moving on to the next generation.
1: If if I can jump in real quick, those generations, right? Like you're exactly right. Generation Z is um, in youth ministry right now. If you're thinking about Mm -hmm. between sixth grade and 12th grade plus young adults up above Um, generation alpha is preparing to come in. Right. And so a lot of the trends that you're talking about for generation Z um, you are seeing exactly the same or even mm-hmm. amplified numbers uh, as Gen Alpha. Alpha, you know, begins to join youth group, uh, youth ministry ages. Anyway, go on, sorry. Definitely.
0: To... Yeah, and so, which then to acknowledge, um, I know there's kind of that question that kind of comes up of like, well, if we're like affirming LGBTQ people, you know, like we're like, what's that going to mean for our group? When in reality, we're going to meet a need that we already know is there, right? We're already yeah. um, acknowledging that LGBTQ people and LGBTQ youth exist. Um, and affirming them is incredibly life-giving and has an incredible impact. Um, I wanna acknowledge, Jeremy, you kind of mentioned the risk of um, different mental health effects and um, suicide attempts and ideation um, for LGBTQ youth who experience rejection. Similarly, um, our affirmation can cut those risks arguably in half. Um, I know for trans and non-binary youth in particular, when we use their chosen name and pronouns in every single mm-hmm. context that they're a part of, um, that, yeah, it reduces their risk of suicide by 50%. Um, so that's, if you use it at youth group, if you use it at home, school, et cetera. Um, so I also like, don't want us to, uh, forget like how, like how much that, like that small impact can go a long way. Um, so yeah. yeah, Like one of those
2: pastors I was talking about, that's her response, right? People say like, why are we being this way, right? When our denomination is, you know, arguably not really accepting, right. right? Uh, not affirming. And, uh, she says, cause if, if I don't accept a football player who shows up, they'll be sad and they'll go somewhere else. If, right. if we don't accept these students because of their sexuality, there are a whole order of different, like it's right. a whole order up. Right. Um, and, and she's like, so, I mean, like, we're just, it's not the same stakes yeah. when, when they show up. And and she's had some success in that conversation, right? Really. Um, which I thought, you know, I thought that was really good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so in that too, yeah, so like the affirmation is huge, right? Um, mm-hmm. But then coming back to acknowledging what do we do, yeah, again, when the youth group, the youth ministry, the campus ministry is affirming but the congregation is not, um, And I think at some point, to a degree, there has to be like a pretty hard conversation. Um, So if we know that like the majority of the youth group is LGBTQ, maybe it's a convert like, I, I don't want to suggest this, I would love for us to just like all stay together, but maybe it's a conversation of what does this group want to do? Do we want to engage in conversations with the congregation? Do we have parents or other adult volunteers who are in the same headspace of us who are willing to sit and have really hard and courageous conversations with different members. Um, you know, are we like, who are we will, like willing to risk losing um, for the sake of affirmation, Right. Um, and if that's the case, if that's how like individuals want to move forward, um, that's great. We have to acknowledge that we might not necessarily be able to change hearts and minds from one conversation. Like it'll be ongoing. It's going to involve a lot of curiosity and a lack of shaming and a whole lot of like empathy and grace. Um, and at some point too, if you no, know, you know, maybe we have just a few LGBTQ kids or one out LGBT kid um, and the youth group is still like really affirming, but the church is not and the family really needs kind of a broader, like better support system. Um, there has to come a time where maybe the conversation is, I'm sorry, like, I really want you to be a part of this community. However, I don't know if this is the safest space for you. So let me work with you and see if we can't find another congregation or community that would be a better fit. which is hard, right? Because we want people to be a part of our congregations. We want them a part of our community as they want to invite them in. But if they're going to, if our community is going to cause more harm than good for a family or for an LGBTQ youth, um, we have to be willing to walk with them and help them find a community who will accept them. Um, and I think that that would go like, would offer like a lot of power and go a really long way, especially at the youth worker, right? It's not saying I don't care about you. Like you're on your own kid. like good mm-hmm. luck. Um, it's very much saying, because I care about you, I do not want you to have to experience the trauma and the hurt and the harm that I know that this space might cause. Um, and so I want to take you somewhere that is better prepared for you. And then maybe someday, um, you'll come back because we've laid a better groundwork to be able to welcome you in, but that time isn't quite now. Um, so yeah, I think being able to acknowledge yeah, when we need to help people find an affirming community and just let them go. Um, that is such
1: a fascinating um observation and and honestly one that I think is you know pretty humbling for a ministry leader um and, and also yeah. something that would be really difficult for some folks to do right because Definitely. Um, sometimes uh, you know it, we we count participation and and we count people's ability to be there and um <clears throat> there's very few churches that that I've been in you know that that have a saying that is something besides you know we're we're open to all people right we're welcome mm-hmm. to all. Um, and, and that language that you were using was so helpful to be able to, you know, use it in terms of the perspective of, um, are we causing harm? Are we creating safe and brave spaces? Are we prepared for kind of the, the conversations and the follow-up that needs to happen as a part of making sure that somebody feels fully supported as part of a community? Um, oh my gosh, what a huge deal. Um. One one of the examples that that got Jeremy and I on this topic was, um, you know, like kind of like decorating youth rooms um, and mm. the things that you choose to hang up in there, right? And so when you talk about a youth ministry perhaps being more um, uh, open and accepting than the congregations they're a part of. It has to be more than like hanging up a flag or a sticker or that kind of a thing in your youth room and saying, yes, we are now clearly an open and affirming community, right? Like that youth leader needs to be able to be prepared for the conversations that need to happen with the congregation and with those individuals and families who may be out and affected by the conversations that are going to happen. I'm so glad to hear you give some language to that need for relationship and actually, you know, knowing what is uh, right. And, and, and what feels like the need for the youth and the family that's going to be affected.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And I love that you brought up kind of like the imagery and like what, like language we use, what images, like flags things that we hang, um, because you're right. Like it's so much more, like we can hang a flag and that's signaling, right? Like we can say like, Hey, like you're welcome here. Like you were able to walk through the doors. Um, but then are we saying you are affirmed and belong here um i think is a whole other conversation right um anybody can walk into a church all are welcome right i can walk into a church and you can say hey hi hello like great to meet you um i've been welcomed in that moment i've been kind of loosely invited in that moment um, but by the end of the day am i going to feel like i really belonged right am i going to feel like i had relationships that were built am i going to feel like i was acknowledged in worship and in an affirming way um however that might be and that's like a whole other like conversation um but yeah so when we put up like these signs these symbols these language you really need to understand what we're saying and what we mean and if we're ready to truly stand behind that um and defend it um yeah so i think that was a great uh, observation to bring into the conversation as well
1: well thanks imagery is such an interesting thing (laughs) and whatever christian tradition you're a part of right like we we lean into that imagery right what what what's your Ah, uh, cross looks like in your sanctuary, um, what the colors of the season happen to be, right? like we we do lean into being able to use imagery as a part of expressing who we are. Um, and, and really recognizing that that can often say as much as the the culture of a community or or the way that leaders lead is a huge, huge deal as well.
0: Definitely. yeah.
2: And you, one last question here. Um, how do you respond? to LGBTQ teens and parents with, uh, you know, families that have LGBTQ members um, who show up, maybe you, they show up to an affirming space, right? Um, and that is also United Methodist space, and then discover that, uh, you know, the United Methodist Church says things like, you know, the practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching, um you know that yes, this local congregation is wonderful, but there's this sort of bigger um, there's a sort of bigger denominational structure that that seems to be pointing in a different direction. And as much as we might hope that that is going to change, um, and it's it's where we are. So so how do you how do you talk and work through that issue with um, LGBTQ teens and families with LGBTQ members?
0: Yeah. Um, I think definitely just like a- acknowledging where we are at and not hiding it is huge. Um, yeah. I have conversations with friends and family and folks all the time of, you know, classic, like, well, like I'm seeking ordination in the United Methodist Church. I am like, well, why would you want to do that? Like you, right. you can't by book of discipline. Um, obviously I'm granted a ton of privilege in the conference that I'm in. Um, so I think acknowledging just like where we're at and the reality of our history. Um, and the inclusion and exclusion of LGBTQ people is not the church's biggest problem. It's a problem for sure, but we're also grappling with racism. Um, We're also grappling with the fact that we played a huge role um, in Native American genocide and boarding schools and things like that. Um, We played a role in colonization. Like we are, we're a church institution like many others who are infected by white supremacy, right, and patriarchy. Um, and so I'm not saying that to just to diminish the fact that like, this is a big deal, right? Like, why would we want to be in a United Methodist church when you're LGBTQ, when they don't affirm you uh, as a denomination? Um, and so I think acknowledging, right, that that's just wrapped up in one of the many, and they're all like tied together at the end of the day, but it's wrapped up in our long history of, um, yeah, white supremacy, Christian supremacy, et cetera, however you want to phrase that. Um, and there are people from all of these communities who have still like agreed to stay and stand and be at the table. Um, and so I think acknowledging like, it's okay if you don't want to be UMC. um, it's okay if you want to leave. Like I would totally understand that. I would never, um, judge anyone <laughs> for leaving, like honestly more power to them. Um, I'll admit there are times where I wish I wish, like I wish I could leave, but I can't because something's keeping me here. Um, the spirit or whatever it may be, community. Um and then I think acknowledging in that, like there are so many people, queer people and otherwise um queer elders, queer youth, um, who are doing some pretty significant work, not just in the United States, but in beyond. Um, and so I think for me, just kind of like knowing like what Bishop Karen went through to be here, um, what some other like queer siblings have gone through for their ordinations or lack of ordination or whatever it may be, um, there are folks who have felt particularly called to this institution um, and to this community. Um do you make that significant change? Um, and so kind of maybe directing them to those resources and those groups of uh, people um to get plugged into, um, if that's something that they want, um, that's a conversation I would have, you know, getting plugged into the Reconciling Ministries Network. Like you can be a part of this change, like you can be a part of this. Um, process. Um, and if you want to leave, then that, that, that's okay, because there are denominations. and um, There are communities who will accept you who are blatantly affirming. And I would also argue um, that they still have their uh, problems at the end of the day as well. So whether or not um, a denomination policy-wise is globally or nationally or whatever affirming um, at the local church level, it is still going to vary church to church. Um, but I would, yeah, that's kind of the conversation I would have is kind of understanding where they're coming from and acknowledging that. If you want to stay, there are other networks to plug into um, that'll be really supportive and life giving for you, too. So.
1: One of my uh, favorite you know, pieces of Methodist and Wesleyan theology is um, kind of the, the Wesleyan take on Christian perfection mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, nobody's perfect. We may yeah. never be perfect. Um, it's also not an excuse to not be better tomorrow than you are today, right? To yeah. be able to look at the lessons of history and and figure out a a, a better and more faithful way, right? To be a world transforming disciple um, as you work towards tomorrow. And it, it comes through small steps. It's not like a one-time thing. It, it's this yeah. process thing where you're always growing, always um, kind of going on towards Christian perfection, even if you never actually are able to hit mm-hmm. perfection itself. Um, it's a comforting thought for me uh, to know I don't have to be perfect, um, to know that we, uh, you know, are parts of institutions that haven't made mistakes, Um, Mm -hmm. just like we as individuals make mistakes as well. Um, So maybe the last thing I might invite you to is perhaps being able to share a word of encouragement with uh, youth leaders at local churches who are waiting their way through this family of issues um mm-hmm. with their communities is is there kind of a closing thought or word of encouragement that you could give to those youth leaders
0: yeah um as isolating and occasionally like as lonely as some of this work can feel and as difficult and challenging as it can be um number one start somewhere start small um it's like the cheesiest metaphor but like that single pebble like thrown into a rock like that water like rippling out like that that's how I have to like look at this work all of the time. Um, that one conversation, disruptive conversation you have, that one moment of affirmation you have, um, that one piece of learning that like you added to like your repertoire and like understanding, um, has the poten- potential to make a huge impact and is quite literally saving lives. Um, being an affirming person, being an affirming space ministry, um, and even just individual, like we can start just on the individual level, um, is literally saving a queer kid's life. Um, and that to me is like, the biggest yeah reward of all of it um so because we're all called to be here together in this community so. yeah
2: yeah Court. thank, well, you, thank so. you so much court
0: yeah thank you for having me this has been great
1: uh jeremy do you want to do this again next monday like we usually do
2: uh obviously definitely 100 percent
1: Well, thanks for sounding so enthusiastic about it. I'm really excited to do it too. Um, Folks that listen to us on Facebook Live know that we do the Youth Worker Recharge um, Mondays. And uh, we really hope that it gives you a a little something to chew on and and a little something to process, right? As you figure out ways to lead meaningful ministries with youth and with young adults. Um, Court, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day today and, and joining us for this genuinely important topic.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.